Welcome to the podcast series, Is Obesity a Gateway Disease to Other NCDs, Other Disease Areas? Now today we will be opening up on the conversation on obesity and mental health as we come into World Mental Health Day on October the 10th. Now I'm delighted that I can introduce Mr. Ken Clare, who's joining me today, share his experience. Now Ken, please introduce yourself to the audience. Thanks Ricky, my name's Ken Clare, I'm from Liverpool in the UK. I have a few roles, so bear with me while I just like roll them off. Um, I'm the chair of the ECPO, I'm a director of operations in Obesity UK, and I'm also the lead for patient and public involvement and engagement in the Obesity Institute in Leeds, Beckett University in the UK. So you've got a lot of hats, <laughs> which is tremendous because it brings a lot of experience. Now, just to clarify as well for our audience, um, you're a, not a healthcare professional at present. You're here as a patient. However, um, when we actually get to know you a little better as we drive into or dive into uh, bringing awareness and opening conversation on obesity and mental health, which is very overlapping, can you share what your experience has been? Because way back when you were a nurse, right? Yep. Uh, I'm a registered nurse, uh, trained as a mental health nurse and a general nurse um, way back in the 70s. But I kept those registrations up. Um, and kept on top of my professional development. Uh, it's very interesting to see how things have changed and what more importantly, what hasn't changed. So if we go back, if we go back to a younger Ken, um, did you realize you had obesity? Yeah. Um, you know, I did a presentation last night talking about my early uh, upbringing and there wasn't a day in our house that food and diets weren't discussed. Yeah. I remember that as a young person. And interestingly, I was first referred to a specialist service about my weight and my mental health around the same time. I was around 13, 14. Okay. And I was referred to a large children's hospital in Liverpool called Alderhey, which is sort of world famous. Um, And I don't think anyone made the link, but that was definitely around the same time. Yeah, I think when we, we look at, you know, the, the journals, the articles now, the research and study that's been done on the overlap between obesity and mental health, it's really opened up in the last one to two decades. So back then, it, I don't think people were connecting the dots as much as they could have. But what was your experience then going forward regarding your mental health then um, and going into nursing? Well, it was, a some might say, a strange career. Uh, to choose for somebody. I was always aware that I had some mental health problems right back. Um, and I picked mental health nursing. Uh, and I felt I had an empathy with many of the patients. Um, you could understand I, them like. Yeah, yeah, that's how it felt. And I think in some ways I was looking for an answer for my own troubles inside. Mm. Uh, I was always changeable in mood. All through my life, and you'll know this through working with me, Vicky, I've, I've got two settings. Yeah. It's full on yeah. or off. Or like, off. You know? Yeah. Um, I wish I had a middle setting at some point. 
that's really interesting when you said about the empathy because and something that just struck a chord with me. I struggle, as you know, as well with my own mental health, but I did a diploma in uh, therapeutic counselling in 2006. And after two years in it, I realised that it was for me to understand myself more. So you actually made the link before any healthcare provider actually did or any doctor did. You had a, was it the highs and the lows? Was it depression? For me, it's anxiety and depression and panic disorder. What was yours? I think it, it was always very interesting listening to lectures when I was training, um, you know, about personalities and, you know, the, the mood swings and about the way I used alcohol. Mm. Even as a young man, I used alcohol as a way to change my mood and to manage my anxiety and to manage how I felt about things. Uh, and then it's only when you get into your 40s and look back on that, I think you really begin to understand it fully. What was that like realizing that some of the patients that you were treating, so you were you were a nurse, let's set the scene, you were a nurse uh, working in a mental health area surrounded by patients and living with obesity yourself and clearly with an understanding that, you know, something wasn't just right. What what did that feel like? Was there concern? Was there a question to a doctor? I remember when I was probably about 21 and getting referred to occupational health, which was a kind of service where you saw a doctor, in your job, and he he said he said to me, uh, "Why don't you take up rugby and exercise more?" So I joined the rugby club um, and did a lot of drinking. Um, yeah. The rugby team, I didn't play, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I went with them on matches, and um, I think you know, for me then, and I guess in his own way, he was saying, "Eat less and move more." I think. And he believed that would yeah. help me. Um, I don't think anybody really up until when I reached 40 years old took me seriously about my weight. And my weight increased up to about 200 kilo by the age of 40. It's about 30 stone if uh, people who work in those measures. Yeah. Oh, which is, yeah, um, you know, Severe obesity, unfortunately. Yeah. And at what point then did you get your diagnosis when it became clear you needed support for your mental health? Well, it was very interesting, I guess, that it was after I got treatment for my weight. Uh, I got bariatric surgery in 2002. Uh, and although I'd had a couple of depressive phases when my, my dad died and other work pressures, it was in 2004 that... Um, my mood went high and uh, there were several theories and that's when I got the diagnosis of uh, having bipolar disorder. Oh, wow. How did how did you take that? Because when you say bipolar disorder, I think a lot of people instantly think of manic highs um, more than the manic lows. So how did that feel for you? You just had treatment for obesity and now here comes another disease area. Well, I think for many of us, being treated for obesity doesn't solve every other problem in your life. And many of us are mm. living with other conditions. And I think that that's how I that's what I've come to see. 
Although you do, I think when you have bariatric surgery and you lose some weight very quickly, you do think everything is going to be fantastic from now yeah, on. Yeah, you do. Um, and I realized that I didn't have a, it's not a nice illness. Uh, it wasn't one I wanted. Uh, I was prescribed a lot of medication, which I've got to be honest, I didn't take initially. Yeah. Uh, and I got very ill. Uh, very quickly, ended up in hospital, um, very high. And I realised that without medication, uh, I was going to be ill. And when you're high, I think it's worse for the people around you, for your family, you know. Yeah. Um, I look at my wife and, you know, see what she go is going through when I'm going through a high. So that was part of the reason I decided to become compliant with medication. So when you say there is, there's actually two questions I want to ask you, but the first one is when you said you had a high, so you ended up in the hospital on a, you know, a manic high. What does, what does that actually mean? And if you're able to explain what kind of state you were in, what you were thinking? Sure. Yeah. I mean, for me, and it was only for me, I was uh, not sleeping. I was running around. I was a bit inappropriate in some of the things I said to people. I was anxious. I was angry, snappy, which I'm not usually. Um, I was driving around, uh, you know, breaking the speed limit, but um, driving everywhere very fast. Some of my behaviours were completely unacceptable. Bidding on eBay for some crazy things. Um, tried to buy a fire engine on eBay. Wow. Red Bull, a big full size. <laughs> wow. And unfortunately, I didn't get it. <laughs> I don't know what I'd have done with it. Um, and, you know, buying and collecting things and this completely illogical desire to put things together. Uh, and I produce work. I'd stay up all night and write work, write, you know, essays or reports. And I think they were fantastic. And I'd go in the next morning and read them. And they were just rubbish. Um, so so really, for yourself, you could, you were in it and you couldn't see how you were perceived outside by yeah. family and friends, which is really common. Um, and you'd had treatment for obesity. So you're on this other high of, you know, you're losing weight and the weight is coming down and you're feeling better in your body and that but your mental health was being tested. Can I ask you why? Because this is a question that I think many people will have. Why did you push back on the medication and not take it? Right. There's a few reasons. One is I'm on four drugs for me, bipolar. They call that a designer cocktail, yep. which I know cocktails mean something else to people, but <laughs> it's not a very nice cocktail of things to be taken. And one of the drugs I take is lithium, which is yeah. a very old-fashioned but effective drug that is toxic for your kidneys, your liver, and your thyroid gland, and you have to have regular blood tests to make sure that your blood, your, your levels are not too high but are enough to be treating you. But all of those four drugs are so the two mood stabilizers, the antidepressant, and the antipsychotic, all cause weight gain. Yeah. Gosh. So I just lost, um, you know, 120 kilo. 
and they've just put me on four drugs. And, you know, the evidence now says that people who go on some of those drugs can put on um, 50 kilo in, you know, less than six months. Which uh, is a phenomenal jump in body weight. Yeah. So not only then are you going on medication that is going to help you mentally and hopefully stabilize you, but you've just gone through the high of losing the weight and then to have a rapid regain as well through, due to medication. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I can't I can't fathom that. I've I've had my own challenges with getting my own medication right, as you say, a cocktail from uh, a designer cocktail from my um psychiatrist and over the years that that has been challenging and various different medications have affected me in different ways. I've been very lucky that I hadn't had weight gain on the back of my medications for my mental health, which is um I think is probably a little bit rare to be honest. Um but for me, I want to touch on the stigma area. Um, when we talk about stigmatizing diseases, a lot of people talk about obesity, of course, the most, you know, stigmatized disease of all. Um, and mental health has been such a prominent one over the years where people, God forbid, back in your day, you know, were shamed and bullied and laughed at and everything else. And then we realized the severity of that. Um, what was it like, the stigma of for me, obesity stigma was worse, but what was it like for you having both and being a young male as a nurse? Well, I think it's difficult to to judge, isn't it? I think one of the problems that healthcare professionals who are living with obesity have is that patients, you know, can say, but what how have you got the right to tell me what to do? Yeah, you know, yeah. sort yourself out. Um, I think the stigma of mental health problems is still, you know, it's better. But and some there's been some fairly high profile celebrities in the UK yeah. who came out as living with a, a bipolar, for instance. And you know, people say, "Oh, do you mean like?" And they name the actor, and you sort of say, "Yeah," but it's more to it than that. Um. And I know that some people are very uncomfortable around mental health problems and talking about it. And, you know, and you, you can tell from people's eyes. And we see that stigma, don't we, in uh, as people living with obesity and people living with mental health problems. And you can see how people are judging you. That's that's a problem um, that still exists in society, that... You, you know, you say, I have obesity or people look at you and they don't look at you in the eyes and they look straight at, you know, your body. And you can see the you can see the the change in their face. then if you bring in mental health as well and and instantly they have this, you know, assumption of what kind of person you are, which is something that needs to change. And um, as we approach World Mental Health Day. How important do you think it is that we encourage people to talk about obesity and the overlap with mental health as well? Yeah, I've spoken to you about my experience, which is just about with bipolar. But I know lots of people who are living with obesity who have got various degrees of mental health problems, you know, from depression and anxiety and living with stress and fear and that, right across the board um and i think we've got to talk about it we've got to bring it out there 
and the two do overlap and people who are on antidepressants you know i think there are better sometimes better weight sparing antidepressants and i think you've got to have a discussion with the healthcare professional about that most um, definitely and be empowered to do that um, yeah see th- there's a there's a challenge in itself you know a lot of people live with obesity but it's only when they tip on another disease area that they go to their healthcare professional for support. You know, we've seen that with diabetes with, you know, the people that we've interviewed and their experiences where, yeah, I had obesity and that was okay because I just accepted that it was all my fault. But then suddenly it's like, okay, I'm having manic highs or my anxiety is just too much. I can't take it anymore. And I end up with my healthcare professional. So people need to be getting in there earlier. Um, And I think as well, it's good to just touch on when you said there, different types of mental health illnesses is important to acknowledge. You know, I I think for me, when I when I first heard panic disorder, I was like, there's no such thing. You know, this isn't a real thing. Um, but when you live it, it is very, very real and very scary that you feel like you're taking your last breath. But I think back to my own experience with obesity and my childhood. And I had quite a traumatic childhood growing up. Um, which led into binge eating and comfort eating for me. And very quickly, I would gain weight. I could smell a cookie can and I could gain a half a pound. That's how it kind of felt. And going forward, I didn't realize that I was having these conversations in my head about blaming and shaming myself for obesity. And then when my panic disorder kicked off in my teens, my late teens, I blame myself for that too that I wasn't taking care of myself enough. And so I think it's really important that we touch on that and we get it out there to people that, you know, they can go hand in hand. Certainly for myself, I lead, I needed years and years of therapy with my therapist. And even now I connect with my therapist to ensure that I'm, I'm in a good place. But going to your healthcare provider is one thing. How important and valuable is your therapist when you have mental health challenges? Absolutely agree that psychological support is needed. And every time we have a support group in the UK, people talk about the need for more psychological support, but we're not going to get huge numbers of highly trained clinical psychologists coming online anytime soon. You know, the psychological support can come from a lot of healthcare professionals, from dietitians, from doctors, uh, We have an interesting scheme in the UK at the moment called social prescribing, where you go along. Uh, I, I went, I turned up for this. I was very cynical. And she gave me some activities to do and things that were nothing to do with traditional medical prescribing, but right. going to the library and going to yeah. see a garden and walking around. It was very good. And I think that... Um, you know, I think the other thing that we undersell is the benefit of peer support. Yes. And I think that, you know, both Obesity UK and uh, ICPO have got, and all the other organisations across Europe, have got excellent peer group support. And there's evidence there that, that helps people. Uh, it improves their outcomes and it improves their quality of life. And I think that that's one of the challenges we've got to look at in the next few years. I actually think that's a a great point to end on because 
I think when we look at the peer-to-peer support, patients have a safe space where they can open up, whether it's on a Zoom meeting or it's in person. And if you have obesity, if you have mental health challenges, these spaces, whether it's on Facebook, even in these groups can be great support for you. But I think what you've really nailed down is the importance of um, getting assessed, going to your doctor, having that psychological support, having peer to peer support and really doing what's best for your own health, your own mental health and well-being. Um, So on that note, we will uh, end this podcast, but I want to say and give you the last word, Ken, just to say, is there anything else you would like to say that we add to this just before you go? Well, I think one of the things that I've learned in 20 years is men and women are different. Oh, yeah. Um, And I think men particularly need to share more about the psychological burden. And I think young men in particular, you know, an area certainly in the UK we've been concentrating on and their mental health difficulties. And if you feel bad and if you feel like harming yourself to talk to someone, you know, thank you so much for bringing that in, because in Ireland, the biggest killer of men under younger, the age of 40 is actually suicide. So that is such a valuable point to end on. So Ken Clare, I wish you a wonderful day and thank you very much. That is all we have time for on this podcast series. Um, the next episode, we will be delving in with another patient and then some medical experts. On that note, I would like to thank our sponsors, our supporters and partners, IASO, the European Association for the Study of obesity for their support and Boehringer Ringelheim and Novo Nordisk for supporting and getting this uh, out there to you all to listen to. Take care on World Mental Health Day, uh, stay active, be in touch with your healthcare professionals and we will see you on the next episode.